Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching, glorify God, and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. This podcast is brought to you by the Herzog Foundation. However, the views and opinions expressed in this program are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the Herzog Foundation. While I welcome you back to this series, we've been talking about shining for Christ in the classroom. And each week, we've thought about John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We are privileged with an amazing opportunity to shine the light and love of Christ into a confused and uncertain world. So far in this series, let's review where we've been. So far, week one, we talked about the fuel, the perspective that we need, that we are serving God and we are called to faithfulness and the results are up to him. Second, we talked about the foundation, how important it is to build and maintain our credibility as a teacher and how that provides an essential foundation that enables us to grow our impact. Week three, we talked about the foils or the things that can distract us and diminish our ability to shine, particularly stress, overwhelm, and discouragement and how to overcome those. And then last week, we talked about the fulcrum or the essential element that propels our ability to make an impact, and that is our relationship with our students. Today, we're kind of getting to the end of this and talking about the fruit, how we can actually reach our students' hearts. Now, we need to remember, as we said in the very beginning of this series, this is God's work. We are privileged to work for him and with him. The results are absolutely in his hands. But we can talk and we should talk and care about what are some things that we can do to provide opportunities to to be a faithful witness uh, for God uh, where we can? You know, when I was recently on a retreat with Christian educators, they had an experience called an awake experience, which I do highly recommend if they have one in your area. And one of the things they talked about is how every Christian is God's ambassador to the world. And this is true of every Christian. But I think it's um, in a special way, maybe uniquely true of Christian teachers, whether you're in a Christian school or a public school, that we are God's ambassadors. Listen to these verses from 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I found these verses so compelling, and there's more that follow. It talks, they're talking about how we are God's ambassadors. And I love that verse, you know, we implore you, we ask you, be reconciled to God. And it talked about being, the Bible also talks about us being a savor, a sweet scent of Christ. And that is exactly what God has called us to be. Whether you're in a Christian school or a public school, we are representing Christ to our students who may not know him um, and have may, may never have met a Christian before. Maybe they're familiar, but they're, they're not sure. Maybe they're in a Christian school, 
but they're lost. Maybe they're in a Christian school and a Christian, but they need to grow. In all these cases, we have an opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ and to point people to him. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, do we grasp this incredible calling that we have? Is it front of our mind day in and day out? Or do we lose sight of it in the busyness and, and amidst all the distractions? That's part of the reason why I've spent so much time in this series. You might say, I thought this series about shining for Christ. How are we just now getting to actually how we shine? Well, it's because all of these things play a part. Everything that we do, everything that we talk about here at Teach for the Heart, it all plays a part, right? It all builds on itself. But we can't lose sight of what God has called us to do. So what we're going to do in this episode, we're going to do a few things. Um, first, we're going to talk about the concept of moving students to the right, which I think is really helpful um, to give you an, a concept of like, what am I trying to do day in and day out, no matter where you teach? And then we're going to talk about some practicalities for both Christian school and And then we're going to talk about some practicalities for public school, because obviously what this looks like, it's going to look very different in those two different situations. First, though, moving students to the right. Now, this applies no matter where you teach. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually, I don't know if you're at a spot right now where you can hop over to your computer, but if so, or your phone, I'm going to recommend that you head over to teachfortheheart.com slash shine. Scroll down to episode five and take a look at the diagram because I'm going to describe it for you, but it's so much easier if you can see it. This is a diagram. I believe it comes from Matthias Media. Um, It actually was shared with me by Dan Southam, our pastor at church, and it's kind of been part of a part of our way of thinking ever since. So when I went to track down the diagram, it was actually kind of hard to find. But anyhow, you'll see it on the website. And what it is, is it shows kind of a large arrow. And it, on the left-hand side is the domain of darkness. Then as you go to the right, you come to the cross. And as you keep going, then now you're in the kingdom of the sun. And across the bottom, there are these markers. The first one says far away, then contact, then talking, then the gospel. Then at the point of the cross, it says new Christian. And then to the right, it talks about growth and struggles and training to maturity in Christ. If you're not seeing this diagram, I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense. But let me explain what the diagram means, whether you can see it or not. What it means is it's trying to portray this concept that typically someone's journey to Christ and journey to maturity does not happen in one moment. Um, Definitely, Going from never hearing about Christ to being a mature Christian certainly doesn't happen in one moment. It is a series of moments as God works in our hearts. And there are many moments that lead us to that point of salvation. And there are many more moments after that point of salvation that lead us to maturity, right? There are many, many moments. And what's helpful as we think about evangelism, and particularly as we think about all the limitations that are on teachers in public schools, and then also as we think about discipleship in a Christian school, is to recognize that God doesn't always, and I would say kind of rarely, is it are we called with a particular student or a particular person to take them on this whole journey? You know, maybe our own children, you know, if you're a parent, you have your own children, hopefully you're going to be a part of many aspects of this journey. And there's certain people God does put in our lives where we really walk a lot of this journey with them. But for most people that we interact with, and particularly for most of our students, we are not going to take this whole journey for them. You know, we, we, It's going to be rare that you get to be there at the moment that they become a Christian. But we can help move them one tick over 
one tick closer to the cross, one tick to the right in the diagram, or if they're saved, one tick closer to maturity in Christ. And I think that perspective of just moving them over one tick, one tick can be really, really helpful. So I want to take a moment and talk a little bit about like what kind of some of these markers are. So you might have some students in your class, particularly in a public school, that are far away. Like they maybe have never even met a Christian. All they know about Christians is what they see on TV or what they've heard, and it might even be all bad. And you might be the first Christian that they ever meet. So you might just simply be that first step is just making contact with a Christian. Maybe they simply meet you, they see your faithfulness, they see the fruit of the Spirit in you, and they start to think, huh, okay, I thought Christians were this, this, and that. You know, I thought they were bigots. I thought they were, you know, and I'm and I'm realizing, wow, this, this person doesn't fit that. Maybe a Christian looks like this. That could be the seed. That could be the step that God wants them to take in your classroom. There might be more steps, but that might be the step. That step is super valuable. Don't minimize that. Uh, the next step um, typically is talking, you know, having conversations with someone. And there's t- tons of opportunities for that, right? I'm not even saying you're talking about the gospel, just talking, right? Having conversation um, and and things come up, right? Our worldview, if you are, if you are a, a believer, um, you're, we're going to get a little bit later into the legal do's and don'ts in public schools, but no matter where you teach, um, your worldview is going to come out. Um, the way you think about things is going to flavor everything. And so hopefully students are are seeing that, how, hmm, the way this teacher thinks is different, and it might get them to think and ask questions, and that's another step. Um, as you continue on this diagram and you continue on the journey, at some point, in order to be a Christian, someone needs to share the gospel. If you're in a Christian school, you have an incredible opportunity to directly share the gospel. Take those every single chance that you get. Share what God has done. In public schools, obviously, the legalities are a lot different. Um, we're going to get later into the specific do's and don'ts. But if and when God gives you the opportunity and you can, of course, that would be incredible. There's that moment then when someone becomes a new Christian, that moment of conversion. And if you've ever been part of that with someone, you know that is incredibly special and a wonderful moment. After that moment, though, there is so much more that still needs to happen. So much discipleship, so much growth. They're going to go through struggles and need help and encouragement. And there are moments all along there. If you're in a Christian school, you're doing a lot of discipleship. That is a lot of what you're doing day in and day out with your students. If you're in a public school, though, don't discount discipleship. There are probably um, some Christians in your class that are believers that know the Lord. And there may be opportunities, once again, you got to watch out for the legalities, but there are opportunities to help them along in their Christian walk. And um, keep your eyes open for that and for the difference in discipleship, disciple-making and discipleship that can happen. Um, even when Christ isn't explicitly being discussed, um, it can still happen. Um, so I hope that diagram is helpful for you. I hope you'll check it out and kind of think about it, maybe discuss it um, with a teacher friend, because it can really be a helpful paradigm shift because I think there's this danger of thinking, if I don't like see a student come to Christ, I'm not making a difference. And that's just absolutely not true. Every single one of these pieces, every single student, you don't know what God is doing in their lives. And each one of these little movements to the right that you're able to do with your students um, is impactful. And so looking for those rather than looking for that one mountaintop experience, once again, it goes back to that concept of faithfulness. Faithfulness day in and day out, it's making a difference. So that's the concept of moving people to the right. Next, we're going to talk about a few practicalities. 
We're taking a quick break to share a bit about our partner, the Herzog Foundation. The Herzog Foundation supports Christian schools in a variety of ways, but one way I highly recommend is their leadership trainings. They offer free in-person trainings to school leaders on a variety of important topics like donor development, marketing and enrollment, strategic planning, culture building, and more. Not only are the trainings free, but lodging and meals are also covered by the Herzog Foundation. So that means your school's only cost is airfare to get to the event. My friend Nancy is a school leader at the the school my kids attend, and she participated in one of these events last spring and told me it was absolutely amazing. So if you're at a Christian school, I highly recommend checking these out and recommending them to your school admins. You can find info by going to HerzogFoundation.com and clicking the events tag at the top of the page. That's HerzogFoundation.com and click the events tab. Now back to our conversation. So some practicalities here. Um, There is so much we could say about like, how do you do this? How do you move students to the right? How do you bring God up in a Christian school, in a public school? There's way more than we could ever talk about in this one podcast episode. So once again, I'm inviting you to the Rise Up Summit, which is coming up so soon. It is actually happening this week. So I absolutely hope you will join us. It is free to attend at riseupchristianeducators.com. If you're listening to this after the summit, I'm so sad that we missed you, but I will tell you that all of the recordings, we do have an all-access pass available. If you head up to riseupchristianeducators.com, we will typically update the website with that information after the summit has closed. So here's a few of the sessions real quick that I want to invite you to, and then I'm going to share a few practicalities, though, um, right here. So we are going to get into some practicalities here. I just want to say there's way more than we can get into here. So a few things, a few sessions you might not want to miss. We are going to have one session on kingdom classrooms and how to impact your students. That's with Michelle Holliday. Uh, There's going to be a session about how to answer difficult questions about God and the Bible and how to help students correctly, how you can correctly interpret scripture and help students correctly interpret scripture. Laura Perry Smaltz is going to be sharing her her story of transgendered to transformed, and it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, She lived in the transgender lifestyle, and God transformed her life and brought her out of it, and that testimony is incredible. These are just a few of the sessions. There's a whole lot more. So head to riseupchristianeducators.com. Check out all the sessions. See which ones you think will be most helpful for you and get signed up. All right. As promised, let's move into a few practicalities for each type of school. We're going to talk about Christian schools first, and then we'll talk about public schools. So first of all, in Christian schools. In a Christian school, if you teach in a Christian school, everything you do, um, you should keep discipleship in mind. Um, especially um, if you're in a situation where you believe most of your students are believers. But never neglect evangelism. In either case, just we should be pointing our students to Christ. We should be taking opportunities every single chance that we can get. We should always be uh, pointing our students to Christ. So look for opportunities in your classroom management. Look for opportunities in your lessons to talk about God. Uh, Look for opportunities as you deal with interpersonal relationships amongst your students. Uh, Look for it all the time. Just take advantage of every single opportunity you can because you have the opportunity to bring Christ into whatever's happening. So ask yourself, what does the Bible have to say about this? You know, ask yourself, um, what is, let me back out, what's really going on here? And that can be so helpful. And one tool, once again, there's so much we could go into in this, but one tool that I will leave you with is that gospel big story framework. If you were with us last episode where we talked about relationships, we went through this framework. Um, And the framework has four parts. It's creation, the curse or the fall, 
the cross or redemption, and then consummation or glory. And the idea is this. You can take pretty much anything that's happening, any challenge, any issue, and you can take it through that framework. In other words, you can think about it in relationship to that framework. And that is so helpful, first of all, in framing your own thinking, but you can teach your, you can help your students think through things in this framework as well. So I'm going to try to do an example for you, and I'm going to do this a little bit off the top of your head, which is a little bit dangerous, um, but we'll see um, if we can do this, and hopefully it will be helpful. So for example, let's just take your teaching health, and you come to a section about diseases, okay? Well, you could stop and say, okay, let's think about diseases in relationship to the big picture of what God is doing in the world, the gospel big story framework. So let's start with creation. Originally at creation, were there diseases? You could talk about this with your students. No, there were no diseases. There was nothing. Well, where did diseases come from? Well, number two, the curse. The curse and the fall brought sin and death into the world. So now there are diseases. Now we were all going to die one day. This is a direct result of the curse. The cross or redemption. What does this have to do with it? Um, Well, does God miraculously heal our diseases if we trust in him? No, but he heals our sin, which is more important, which is what we really need, right? That is absolutely what we need. So, so our, the, you know, the Bible, I think about that verse that talks about while our outward man is decaying, our inward man is being renewed day by day. Um, you know, and there's, there's so much you could talk to about here in the cross, but you, know, you could talk about how God gives us the strength to, to deal with struggles and to deal with diseases, how we can trust him, how he never leaves us alone, no matter what. Um, but basically, once again, that already and not yet, like God has redeemed us, but our bodies are still in subject to this. I think about Romans 8. He talks about the whole creation groans and travails until the glorification. And that's the final step, right? Step four is glory, consummation. One day in heaven, there will be no more diseases. One day God will make the whole earth new. No one will ever get sick again. No one will ever die again. And we long for that day. So do you see how I just took something like we're just talking about diseases and said, let's think about this. And it's like, wow, this is an opportunity to to frame this, to to answer so many questions about why do we why do we have diseases? Why does God allow you know good people to get cancer? Like it, it could bring up so many good discussions. Um, if you have time for that, <laughs> if you have time for that, but you can have those discussions also outside of class. But it, it gives students so many answers. It gives them so many things to think about. It sparks conversation, um, and it also provides opportunity to worship God, and helps frame the way they're thinking. So try out using that gospel big story creation. You can use it all over the place. You can use it in content that you're teaching, um, but you can also use it in in a personal relationships. You can use it to address current events. You can use it all over the place. Practice. It, it can be tricky at first, but the more you do it, the better you'll get at figuring out how do these things apply. So that's my biggest thing for Christian schools. I recommend trying to incorporate that gospel big story framework. All right, let's move on to public schools. Public schools. Once again, so much we could say. Attend the summit for more. We're going to have so much more there. Um, but one thing I want to do is I want to refer you to a resource, and I'm going to read actually through it on the air here. Um, but the uh, our partners for the summit, Christian educators, have a wonderful resource about your religious liberties as a public school educator. And I think this is really helpful to know what you are legally allowed to do and what you're legally not allowed to do. Okay, now let me caveat, I am not a lawyer, but Christian educators does know their stuff pretty well. Um, but realize there are different, different schools may um, apply these rules differently. 
And also, the rules do change as Supreme Court cases come out. But as of right now, this is the information from Christian educators. Um, Contact them for additional help. But I think you'll find this really helpful just to hear what the legal uh, expectations are right now in the United States of America. So I'm just going to read through these here. I'm going to read, first of all, what are the things you can do and what are the things you cannot do. So actually, I'm going to start with the things you cannot do. So you cannot lead prayer, Bible reading, or devotional activities with students during your duties as an educator. You cannot use your position as an educator to promote religion to students. You also can't use your position as an educator to promote non-religion to students. You cannot inhibit student religious expression. That's true. Teachers are not allowed to keep students from um, expressing their religious beliefs. You cannot treat students' religious expression differently than non-religious expression. So teachers are not allowed to kind of discriminate and, um, you know, treat students' Religious expression, say that's not allowed, but non-religious expression is allowed. You also cannot treat religious clubs differently than non-religious clubs. And this is an important one. You cannot be insubordinate to supervisors if they attempt to limit your religious freedoms. If that happens, this is the resource from Christian Educators says, if that happens, contact Christian Educators. Um, if you're a member there, they have a lot of resources and they can actually get involved and help. Um, so insubordination not a good idea. Um, but it is still helpful to recognize what the law says because that can inform conversations with your administrator. All right. So those are the cannots. What are the cans? You can, number one, answer questions about your faith or personal beliefs in age-appropriate ways as long as you're not proselytizing. So you're not allowed to proselytize, um, try to convert someone to Christianity, but you are allowed to answer age-appropriate questions if they're asked. You are allowed to pray read the Bible, or have spiritual conversations with your colleagues when appropriate. In other words, when it's not interfering with your duties. So you're allowed to do have pretty much any conversations you'd like to with colleagues. You are allowed to teach about religion, including the Bible, as long as it's done in a neutral way and a non-devotional way. So in other words, you can teach about the Bible um, from the perspective of history or culture, um, but you're not allowed to, to say, you know, this is, you're not allowed to Um, promote it as you're not allowed to proselytize someone to the religion. You can attend student-led religious activities in a non-participatory manner. So if a student-led religious activity is happening, you can go and simply attend as like a facilitator or a monitor, um, not necessarily though as a participant. You are allowed to volunteer with a community ministry to lead religious meetings on your campus before or after school. That's a really interesting one to look into, and Christian Educators has more information about that. You are allowed to be a faculty advisor for an official school Christian club. The caveat, this club must be student-led, but you're allowed to be the faculty advisor. You are allowed to supplement your curriculum with religiously neutral outside sources to bring in perspective. You are allowed to ensure that faith-informed opinions of students are treated with respect. You are also allowed to express your faith personally in ways that clearly do not carry the endorsement of your school district. For in other words, you're allowed to wear a cross necklace or you're allowed to have a Bible on your desk because that's a personal expression of faith. It's not, you know, it's not um, being like endorsed by the school district. 
And then finally, you're allowed to include religious music and literature in curriculum if it has an academic purpose and is balanced with other selections. I Once again, I need to leave the important disclaimer, I am not a lawyer, um, and this is not official um, legal advice, Um, but I hope this is really helpful, and Christian Educators does have a whole lot of lawyers if you do want to ask a lawyer a question, and we're actually having sessions at the summit with lawyers about questions and legal questions, so if that's something that you're interested in, highly recommend checking out christianeducators.org and joining us at the summit at riseupchristianeducators.com. That's riseupchristianeducators.com. So at this point, we've gone through a lot of practicalities. What I want to do in conclusion is just back up and look at the big picture of all that we've said in this series. And that is this. Um, God has called us to teaching. He's with us every single day. Everything you do as a teacher to be a good teacher helps build your credibility and provide opportunities to have an impact on your students. So continue to work to teach with excellence and be an amazing teacher. There are things, though, that can distract us, things like stress or overwhelm or discouragement or burnout or frustration. We need to recognize those and we need to fight the spiritual battle against those because they can really distract us from the mission that God has given us and keep us from being able to shine as we can't, as we could. Relationships are so key. So invest time into your relationships with your students and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and to fill you with his fruit of the Spirit. Because when we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, in our lives and in our interactions with our students, that is magnetic. And it is absolutely going to help you build relationships. All of this is for the purpose of being able to make a difference in our students' lives, right? We are working for God and God is using us day in and day out. So look for opportunities to impact your students. Ask God to give you them and take advantage of them when they come. But also never underestimate the fact that being faithful day in and day out is in itself an incredible example. So be faithful and then ask God for opportunities and take them as they come. I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed it, you can share it with a friend. You can head to teachfortheheart.com slash shine, which, by the way, also has all the links we mentioned in this episode. And you can share that URL, teachfortheheart.com slash shine, with any other friends or colleagues that you think would be benefit uh, would benefit from listening to this series. One final word. Again, I do want to invite you to the Rise Up Summit this weekend at riseupchristianeducators.com. We have so many exciting things planned. Our goal is to help you shine for Christ in the midst of this confused and uncertain world. And we have so many things there that can help you do just that. It's all completely free the weekend of the event. So join us and grab a friend to join you as well. As we close, let's take just a moment to pray together. Father, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you are working. Um, And I pray that you will work in each teacher and work in our students. Teacher, take a moment and ask God to work in your heart and to work in the lives of your students this year. Ask him to give you opportunities um, to point your students to Christ and move them closer to maturity in him.
and take a moment to thank God for putting you in the place that he has and for calling you to be his ambassador. Thank him that he's giving you this calling and that he's with you every day. God, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask you to do amazing things in each classroom this year, Father. Whether we can see it or not, we ask you to be at work. Um, We ask you to draw students to yourself, draw co-workers to to yourself and admins to yourself, and draw us to you day in and day out. May we also be growing in maturity and in love for you and love for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you again for being here. Hope to see you at the Rise Up Summit at riseupchristianeducators.com. And then we'll be back with another series in a few weeks. So watch out for that. In the meantime, teacher, remember, God is at work in you and through you, and he's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the heart.